Welcome to MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Soccer Player Development Podcast. Discover all the secrets, hints and tips about soccer player development and soccer coaching from some of the leading figures in world soccer. Here's your host, Saul Isaacson-Hurst. What's happening guys welcome back to another show uh, this week we've got another coaching family special for you my good friend glenn hicks and colleague uh, from my personal football coach joining us we're going to chat about uh, where have all the number 10s gone so a conversation i was having with a good friend of mine the other day talking about the change in nature particularly of academy football where well, there seems to be less of those mavericks and also if you look at the premier league as well where teams used to build them uh, the, the teams around number 10s much more sort of playing with two eights now so we all have a chat about this as also and if you have any ideas about topics for shows or guests please do drop us a line and just a quick note to let you know that the uh, the, the coaching courses the my personal football coach level one and two ball mastery and 1v1 courses are now on sale so follow the link in the description and also the virtual uh, conference is also on sale now as well so check out that so if you want to know more about 1v1 and ball mastery or check out some of the best player developers in world soccer check out the link uh, for the short-term sale uh, but without further ado let's get into the show so guys welcome back to another show um for another coaching family special proud to have my uh, my good friend and colleague glenn hicks glenn how you doing mate i'm very well thank you mate just Managing the cold like all of us coaches out there at a minute in the UK, it's bitter. But yeah. apart from that, all good. Exactly, exactly. Uh, anyway, so this 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 show this uh, we're going to talk about you know um, the match winners and the Mavericks are they dying dying breed? You know, are we you know looking at a situation where there's less and less game changes, less and less number ten type players who can come in and do that? Uh, what's your thoughts on that, Glenn? Um, yeah. To to answer the question bluntly, first of all, and go from there is. Yes, I think they are. And I think when we watch well, the Premier League, I think they are. I think there's fewer and fewer. Um, so my first answer would be yes. And then I'm looking and going, okay, so what are we doing about that? What are we coaching now to to change that trend and hopefully keep developing the likes of Phil Foden and Jude Bellingham and the match winners or Trent like against Arsenal the other day? So what are we doing to make sure the next five, ten years as youth developers we continue having the special players, the ones that we'd all pay to go and watch in that. So in short, yes, mate, I think they are a little bit of a dying breed based on what, what we're not seeing in, in the games at times. Yeah, it's funny because we were talking about what, you know, we're having this, you know, long discussion about what to call the show or like what's the theme of the show. Is <laughs> like, and I said I was had lucky enough to have another meet my good friend Miguel Rios, who's uh, you know, used to work at Arsenal and, um, you know, Brentford and Watford, top, top uh, scout player recruitment guy. And he said as well, like, you know, there's not that many technicians anymore in the game you're looking at you know in, in the in the development phase there's less and less technicians and you know so that goes into that isn't it and i said you know you know it's at death you know you see less and less number 10s uh you know and, and why is that do you know what i mean and i was thinking about you know I, and, that, and the reality is you know english football you know the premier look at the premier league very much based on athleticism now you know you know there's less and less of those players who might have you know been like you said the mavericks you know who maybe you know lack a bit of physical you know athleticism that speed but they had the speed of thought and it could do something off the cuff maybe and but me and less and less of those players i think you see less of those but also i think it's just a general lack i think that's the other day it's just like i had a conversation with um a parent um when i was coaching and, and i said the same thing is that you know it's it's it's, it's crazy 
you know, you're in a situation where, you know, even in first team football, but, you know, in a young academy football as well, these young players are expected to change games, these match winning moments, you know, and they beat a player, they go through and they shoot that sort of thing, but they're not really given that many opportunities to to practice it. Do you know what I mean? And it's a bit nonsensical, you know what I mean? And uh, so, yeah, I think there is, you know, there is, you know, lack and a lot of people say that and maybe it's the change in nature of the game at the highest level, whether that's filtering down and, you know, you're seeing that more and more in academy football and development phase and whether it's just the, you know, the, you know, I spoke to my friend the other day, one who works in one of the top academies in London, he said, you know, unfortunately, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15s up, they're just trying to replicate the first team, their mini first team, you know, and there's just all about positional play and tactical analysis, which is good in the elements, but, you know, you still got to remember, you've got to develop these players and give them freedom to play. So, mate, I think it's a combination of many of those things. Yeah, I think so. The point you made there, saw about, because obviously everyone looks at the TV and watches Pep Guardiola and this obsession with certain style of football and pass, pass, pass and lots of organisation and order and positional play. But what they forget is to have Bernardo Silva in that system and be one of the best functional players in what Guardiola wants, he had to go through the education that he had in Portugal and loads of 1v1s and, and loads of mistakes on the ball and actually getting beat up physically and actually not even really performing by the sounds of his career when you hear him saying about how he got rejected for being too small and stuff. And it's and it's hard unless unless we can document that and put that in a video and people can look and say, well, actually, this is what youth football should look like. I really do think that's having a big problem at the moment so is over-coaching and over-organisation. Mm. If you, if you over-organise something to the meticulous, and everyone goes, yeah, meticulous to detail, but the more details you're giving players and the more order and organisation the less opportunity I believe there is for creativity. So on. I think that's a really important thing as well is knowing when do we literally just have to encourage a player to dribble, go on, go stand on the ball a bit more, whether they crash or they succeed. I, I think we've got to strip it back a bit to the raw, again, get it a bit nearer to the streets, mate. And the countries that are still producing these Mavericks and number 10s, like culturally it always has been and still is the South Americans, like Luis Diaz, I'm watching for Liverpool the other night. So I think the guy's a match winner. He's a maverick. He's, he's a special type that's only going to get better because a lot of it is um, personality as well. You know, he's clearly got the courage and the audacity to go and do this stuff. And yeah, I, I think it starts and finishes with coaching and whether that's coaching less and encouraging certain stuff more. But um, yeah, I think we're the guardians of the game, aren't we, mate? Because everything. Yeah, man, I, in this country. I think I think you still coach. You know what I mean? You can still coach, which is what you coach, isn't it? It's what you choose to coach, whether you're more, you know, individual based or you're more team based. And what I mean by that, you know, you're looking for individual outcomes or you're looking for the team outcomes. You know what I mean? So, you know, you're setting every session, okay, well, I want a bit, I want to try and get lots of, you know, 1v1 outcomes, lots of attacking. I want to don't mind lots of mistakes because that's how, you know, I understand it's what the play, the process of the player's learning is. Or I'm saying, right, actually, I'm setting this, I want to set my team up now. I've got my half an eye on the game on the Sunday. That sort of thing, you know, and then that's you know what I mean. So you, you, it's both things of coaching, isn't it? It's just one that's just whatever how you got on, and that's that's almost the issue, isn't it? I had a you know a conversation with another friend of mutual friend of ours, and uh, the other day he said that's a difference, you know, you know if you're in an individual coach, maybe you know you don't have your team hat on, so you can go in there and just work with the players, you know, in, in those team environment when you're not necessarily worried about the, the the game on the weekend in terms of what the, what the team looks like. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's you know that's the issue, isn't it? There's so many. You know, going back to the point my, my friend friend of ours, you know, said about the you know, this the 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, everyone's trying to replicate the first team and the way they play. And that's fine now, you know, they talk about the game being a you know, positional play and like a game of chess, but the problem is that, you know, where where does you know you you almost need the chaos, don't you? Like, you know, the you know, the Mavericks, you know, those number ten, those players need the the time and the freedom, the space just to and the chaos. 
you know, to to go and experiment and, and see what they can do, right? Yeah, that's the key thing as well. Because if if everything's so perfectly in place at young ages, you're right. How how if we're looking for a skeleton key player, I like to call them, or somebody that is going to unlock a rigid defence because at under 18s or first team they're going to bank up after being one and two and up. Well, actually, if if they're going to come up against the most difficult problems, if we haven't created that intentionally sometimes, where well, you've got a problem, go and solve it, and we don't keep giving them all the solutions or we don't really get people too organised, it's like, well, how are they ever going to solve solve the problem? Do you know what I mean? And I, I agree mm. you've got a coach, but it's right what you said. It's, it's nailed it. Is It's what are we coaching? What are we coaching and what are we encouraging? And what are we discouraging? Because sometimes by saying, let's say for a winger, I keep telling him just get on the line. But why are you going to tell him keep getting on the line? The kid, the fullback might be really weak on the inside. There might be a great pocket. If it, but again, if you're coaching instruction, you're like, you know what? This lad, you're definitely quicker than him. So of course, take him on the outside if you want. But imagine if with your speed, you actually get on the inside. Instead of being in a crossing position now, you're going to be in a goal scoring position. You know, like an inverted winger. Can you can you get start a bit more on the inside? Just mix up your move. But there's still kind of encouragement. There. There's a framework to work from, but there's still a bit of freedom in terms. Instead of just like you're here. Do you know what I mean? Again, it's coming away from that rigid kind of instructions-based coaching or top-end stuff and just having a bit, a bit more flexibility. And I think positions, so don't narrow things off because if we're going to get a Franz Beckenbauer, who, by the way, is a match winner, in my opinion. Mm. He's a match winner. He was a match winner. When the game, when the players at the top end, the Gert Mullers and that couldn't score the goals, he would drop a shoulder, change the gears, go through the lines, play a one-two and do everything a number eight or a ten or a midfielder could do. He obviously didn't do it as much because he wasn't needed as much. But even with that, why not, you know, let your players dribble out from the back from time to time. If there's no other passing options on, if there's no predictable play mm. on, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's like, it's like what's the onus? And I'm, I always do this whole story. I remember my first year at Chelsea, the under-10s, you know, Jamal Musiala was in that age group, unbelievable age group with like, you know, so like Tino Livermento's in there, loads, loads, Blue Bait, Levi Cole, anyway, loads of top players. But anyway, I remember like a lot, you know, the senior coaches there saying, you know, guy, he's a good player, but he just dribbles too much. You know, you've got to get him to pass more, pass more, pass more. And I was just thinking, why this is that goes, you know, why would you want to do that? You know, and I say to him, just go and do what you got to do. But it's the same thing, isn't it? It's like, I think there's like um just a fallback thing. It's like, you know, how do we, you know, as how do the coaches I mean, is it is it is it impatience or is it maybe just, you know, the way I recognize improvement or success is seeing the game and the team and the result on the weekend. And it's the same thing as anywhere, isn't it? It's like it's the same as like, you know, on, on when you watch you know the Premier League or like, and, and the team plays out from the back they score a great goal a oh, wonderful goal and then they get make a mistake playing out from the back oh why are they playing out from the back this you know it's ridiculous yeah. it's you know why are they taking risks same sort of thing isn't it it's like people have this real short termism they've got to understand you know, actually it's a long-term picture right especially when talking about youth development you want you know players to have a bit of time and really you know doesn't you know it doesn't matter if you know you win or you lose you know it's about who's got the best players you know who's got like you say those and if surely, I mean, that's what you want, right? You know, as an, you know, as an, as an academy, you know, the, the the most. I mean, you want to produce all sorts of players, but surely the priceless things are producing those mavericks. You know, those ones who are, can do the special things and you know create something and you know and, and unlock the defenses. Yeah, and if you look at the top end, so everyone goes, yeah, the top end, the top end. But oh, okay, if you're going to replicate Guardiola or you know Ange Postecoglou's had an incredible transformation at Tottenham, for example, where. It was probably a football club where 12 months ago we didn't have a number 10 in the building and it was known and the way Conte played was very pragmatic, a little bit different. It was quite controlled, go around the side, put crossing. It was quite predictable in the end. And it, But Postacoglu's gone the other way. It's like how many number 10s or 
players without capacity, match winners can have shoehorning, whether it's Ben Tancor, Basuma, you know, uh, Madison, all three players there, for example, and even young Pape Sarr, they can take the ball in any situation. 1v1, player at their back, mm. all the stuff we talk about, 1v1 rodeos, player on your back, hang on your hips, they can run through players. You know, Ben Tanker is good at dropping a shoulder and going 20, taking the ball 20, 30 metres. They've all got a final pass. They can chip in with goals. Then you've got the, the fullbacks playing similar. They're coming in more like the, it's not really an inverted midfielder, is it? A fullback. It's just they're coming inside the pitch and they're playing with midfield attributes. So it's almost like they've totally transformed their game. But if you're looking at that, you have to ask yourself, coach backwards then. Okay, so that's the attributes that Basuma's got. How do we get there? And go back to him being an under nine and say, what has he got to go through? Well, actually, look, he is receiving the ball with a player tight up his backside, like really tight, even in the Premier League. So give it into the kid. And when he don't quite get it right, don't stop. Don't look at the outcome. Look at the intentions. What are our intentions here? What is our purpose to try and get, get stuff into this kid, not coach, get it or, or discourage it kind of out of him? Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So, you know, going back to that, why, why is the reason why we're seeing less of these sorts of players, you know, um, and also, I think I, I think all the other way. I look at the other way sometimes. You look at like you know people often say that you know that you know there's no number tens, but I always say like Guardiola really plays with two number tens. Do you know what I mean? It's just the tens need to have the attributes of an eight. They need to work off the ball a lot harder. But they, you know you need the attacking qualities of a ten. You look De Bruyne and you know Bernardo Silva. There's probably two of the best tens in in Europe. Do you know what I mean to best forward technical players in Europe. Foden as well. The players can play that way. It's just maybe that now. The game demands that you do so much more off the ball, right? But I mean, but then I suppose it's then that's you know maybe why, you know, there's less maybe those those um, those special players. I always remember this, I was thinking about this this morning actually before because we said we we're going to chat, and I, was, I always remember going abroad like with Chelsea and Tottenham uh, on t- t- tournaments with young teams, and all, you go you see Benfica or Ajax, and the boys would come over the up the you know the, the, all the other teams from the other uh, country come over. Oh, who's your number ten? Do you know what I mean? Who's the number 10? Do you know what I mean? They'd be like, ah, oh, he's number 10. And it'd be like, he was a special player. Do you know what I mean? It'd be like, yeah, you know, he's, oh, he's the playmaker, isn't he? He's the one, you know? And the boys go, like, oh, he's wearing a number 10 for the uh, tournament. And it was, you know, I remember that. It's really poignant going across Europe, being that. And I suppose it's changed, isn't it? Because you've got, there's change. But that's my, my point, kind of subject there, is thinking that maybe that, you know, because now everyone's playing with two eights, you know, and and yeah. you know, and what that demands, you know, you know, you're a Kelmaze of this world. Maybe there's no place for that player there. It's just, you know, that, that Maverick who's, you know, what player, by the way, who can just, you know, yeah. not chalantly bowl around, nutmeg, you know, that's just, you know, create havoc, but not just, it doesn't fancy really running back that much. And, and, and a player, Saul, that can be out of the game for a long time, like a Harry Kane. Yeah. So for me, Harry Kane's got a number 10 on the back of his shirt. And what do you mean? So you've got number 10 in terms of the number on the back of the shirt. Yeah, you have. And, you know, but you've also got number 10 in terms of the area on the pitch. But for me, the most important is the number 10 in terms of the attributes and the qualities, isn't it? So Harry Kane, for me, is a number 10 if he wants to be. He could, yeah. he could spend his whole career playing in between the lines and he'll figure it out. All right, he might not be as twisty and turny as a Bernardo Silva, but his link-up play, his first touch play around the corners, his combination shooting from long range like a like a Yaya Torre when he stepped in at number 10. But for me, what they all have in common, whether you're going to go and be a 10 like Yaya Torre and destroy the Premier League for two seasons, get 20 goals and a lot of your shots being from outside the box and you're like that powerful, like a Jude Bellingham, you know, for yeah. me, what Ancelotti's done with Jude Bellingham is phenomenal. He has looked at this kid and said, right, you are so good. I'm going to build this team to just get the best out of you. A bit like Guardiola built his Barcelona team to get the best out of Messi. It's like, you guys are all kind of like background dancers for this gentleman here, right? We're going to get the best yeah. out of him. And they're different. They're still different. In terms of profile, they're different players. 
So Jude Bellingham is a different kind of number 10 when he plays 10 to Foden. But what they've all got in common, Saul, and I think this is the most important thing, and this is maybe, maybe it's the hardest thing to coach, but I think you can. It's 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 the stuff on the inside, the immeasurable stuff, the stuff that the stats can't... It doesn't matter how many passes you make. Did you make the one pass? Like, for me, I really like him. Bruno, Bruno Fernandes, right? He infuriates a lot of people. But for me, he belongs in a Manchester United shirt. He is a special player. Why? Because if you go and look at the stats like Harry Kane, so you said something a minute ago, Saul, about did they dribble too much? What does that mean? Harry Kane mm. takes more shots than anyone every single season without foul. Go and check the stats. If he's not the first, he'll be in the top three with Salah. And it's not a coincidence. The guy that takes the most shots scores the most goals. Bruno Fernandes for the last five years, even in a poor Manchester United team, has been right at the top. So we talk about stats with attempted final third passes, through balls, most touches in the penalty box, goals, assists. But he's also been top a couple of seasons with fouled passes. So his percentage pass completion was quite low. But why? Because there's a high risk. And it's the personality sort they've got, isn't it? The thing they all share for me is the character, the temperament, the personality to say, I'm not going to pass the buck today. I'm going to pass the ball, but I'm going to try and win us the game. Like it takes personality mm. and character to bid. And I just feel in the Premier League, so why I feel so passionate is there's not enough people doing that. They're all passing the buck. They're all scared to miss the cross or scared to miss the shot. There's not all of them because you've still got your Luis Diaz's and your Foden's and the ones we spoke about. So we've almost... We've got, to, we've got to coach a bit of arrogance in the players and stop telling them it's too much dribbling. Tell them it's not enough dribbling sometimes. The kid that's got to score goals, it ain't technical. Sometimes they've just lost the confidence to miss and just tell mm. them to shoot more and they might surprise us. Well, I think that's a, that's also, you know, goes back to the development, doesn't it? You know, um, what sort of players are you recruiting? What sort of players are you looking for? What sort of qualities? But then obviously, what's the coaching programme? I heard this... You know, someone talking the other day about, oh, is there too much dribbling in academy football? I, th I thought, wow, it's like, you know, have we really forgotten, you know, where we were, where we come from? But also, it's just missing the point. It's not about dribbling. It's about players, you know, being able to stay on the ball if they want to stay on the ball. They make the decision, but they want to make the decision. You let you empower the players, right? You know, because that's the problem. You have too much, you know, pass, pass, one, two touch, one, two touch, rondo, rondo, rondo play, which is all right to a certain extent. But you don't let players express themselves and freedom on the ball, that's when you're going to have the problem. That's when you're going to have to know the, the people that Mavericks. I get a lot when I travel and I go and do, you know, uh, conventions around the world. I'm lucky to travel around the world and do conventions in several countries. Yeah, I'm really lucky to do that. But I'll go and do like a, some 1v1 practices, you know, and I watch other practices will be like, you know, a possession practice, which is good. I, listen, I use possession practices in all my team sessions, but I always do one v one But you do a 1v1 session and suddenly, whoa, hang on, you know, players are so, so used to being overloaded in practices suddenly they've got to make decisions themselves they don't like it they're not used to it or even they're you know even they're underloaded it's, it's like they can't handle it you know and that's that's the difference you, that's where you've got to look at your technical program and think right are we really challenging the players is it balanced enough giving them experience because you talk about players at the highest level you know, i mean they're not overloaded they're, they're underloaded all the time you know what i mean they're, they're used to playing underloading and, and keeping the ball so i mean that's the big problem as well in terms of how we coach players you know, everything, you know, there's too much game-based stuff. It's too much possession stuff, which is all, you know, I'm not saying don't use it. I'm saying, but you need a balance. You know, you need to work on the technique. You need the individual possession stuff. You need to have your 1v1s in there, your 2v2s, your 2v1s, your 1v2s, all that sort of thing. Because if you don't, that's what's going to happen. You're going to produce a, you know, a generation of steady eddies. Everyone's just looking to pass it square, pass it square and break it down where, you know, if you've got somebody who can impact someone who's brave enough, you know, those play, those, they sort of say those street football qualities, they're the ones who are going to break the game down, right? And I would say, so as well, it's a, it's a great point. And I would say as well, so it's a bit like if you put your teaching hat on and, you know, you've got to meet every learner's needs and learner plans and all this and assessment of learning, assessment for learning, all that, right? 
I think the hardest player to meet their needs is the very, sometimes anyway, for a lot of coaches, is the very most talented and the best player in the group. I think being able to stretch mm. the kid that's a nine out of 10 and you've got to tip him like to a top end where no one's ever seen this level before kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like the very best. Whether that's your very best player in your grassroots team or very best in in a, in a more advanced elite environment like academy. And it's like, like you say, yeah, let's pass the ball tonight. That's fine. We can do Rondos. Even the dribblers have got to work at their passing. But it's a case of, are we stretching them? Are we are we improving the capacity of the player? Well, actually, if we didn't do no dribbling tonight, the kid that could be a sensational dribbler, like Bernardo Silva or a Messi or a Foden, we're doing them a disservice. And it's that that then does become a fault of the coaching. Do you know what I mean? And like you say, you might, even if you chuck 10 minutes in there and go, do you know what? We are doing a dribbling session and it is 1v1. But on the kid who can go past every player in your group 1v1, just make it a 1v2. Just chuck two mm. in there, just chuck three in there, make it a mess, give him a different starting position and cage him in with three players around him and make it absolute chaos and he'll probably flick it over their heads like Neymar and all of a sudden he's enjoying it, he's stimulated. But that's not for everyone, Saul, because players naturally, even at a young age, we know that there are players that want to be the stoppers and love playing at the back because they're quite negative in their way of thinking, quite pragmatic. You've got your wizards, your warriors and your workhorses and, and everything in between, mm-hmm. right? No, but, it's, but do you know what I mean? It's true. The wizard is going yeah. to be a wizard. The, the warrior, yeah. the, the Henderson, is going to be Henderson. And he's yeah, of course. Yeah. But you've still got to allow Henderson the opportunity to see if he's got the odd drop of the shoulder. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but also, yeah, but it's also that. It's, yeah, but it's also that. And it's like, you know, for example, he's a Henderson. He's, to play at the highest level, you still be able to get on the ball and stay on the Absolutely. ball with composure. And that's what traditionally English players haven't done well enough. Now, obviously, we have a generation of players who are technically much better, but you've got to be able to do that. So, you know, if you're constantly just doing overloaded games, possession games, where you can always find a pass, you're not stressing the player enough. Even you've got that stopper, the big stopper. I'm sorry, if you're at a Champions League club, that's just not enough. You've got to be good enough on the ball. Do you know what I mean? Because you're, you're again doing this to service. You've got to challenge him, say, okay, can you step in? Can you break a line? Can you then play forward? So you need to support them players, you know, and, you know, maybe it's about taking them out of those situations and doing a bit of, you know, concentrated work into developing those techniques. And like we say, you know, understand, look, I don't expect my stopper to, you know, be like a Luis Diaz or like an Mbappe. Of course not. But I'm going to teach him how to break pressure a safe side. I'm going to teach him how to break, you know, to have a big positive first touch to to break lines into one, two, drive in both sides and spray passes, that sort of thing. So you break down the techniques for each game. Obviously, this is we're talking about older here. The older players and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We we need to support these players because it's not, you know, then you get to the point where they say, well, hang on, oh, you know, so you're not getting a contract. Technically, you're not proficient enough. Yeah, but, well, you know, it's been, you know, uh, you know, one of the top players in the academy all the time. So I think there's not enough of that. And I think that, you know, that's in terms of, that's also a reflection of the general, you know, coaching perspective we have now in terms of, you know, oh, you know, well, we're not doing any sort of individual technical work. Everything's in the game. So you either develop it or you don't develop it. So I think it's got to be more of a balance and frustration. And I think that's, the key, I had this conversation the other day. I said, you know, every every Champions League club should aspire to develop a Champions uh, Ballon d'Or players because we had this conversation with a friend of mine. You know, every every Premier League club should have Project Ballon d'Or. That should be the that's the I'm talking about the big clubs here. You know, the big you know the big you know the big six, whatever you like. And they said, someone said, oh yeah, but what you only want to you know develop sevens or tens? I said, no, no, no. You know, you could be Ballon like a Ballon d'Or winner. Yeah, what? you know, you, kind of Varro. Cannavaro, do you want that as well? But you could, you could want to be world class in every position. Your keeper's got to be world class on the ball now. So that's the challenge. That's what I'm saying. Every mindset should be right. Every player needs that quality. If he doesn't have it, fair enough. I'm not going to say, oh, he's not, can't develop it. This is, I'm going to say, look, this is what you've got to do better. You know, you want to play at the highest level. This is what you're going to be like, break pressure, you know, break, cut safe side either way, bring it down, protect, break lines, play forward. Do you know what I mean? 
So that's what I said, like those, those, those workhorses, those, you know, those, they talk about, no, not doing Jordan Henderson disservice, by the way, because he's, you know, he's played massive highest level, isn't it? But you're talking about those, sort of, those industrial, you know, like they used to call them water carriers in the back of the day. Like that's yeah. it, right. He's got the engine, but let's give him the bit of the finesse as well. Do you know what I mean? And that's what and I think again, we don't do enough. So, you know, that's let's just do his strengths. So, well, no, do his weaknesses as well. Absolutely. And, and all them players, so all the greatest teams. So even you look at Puyol's role when he was in that great Barcelona team. He's yeah. a warrior. He's a warrior and a workhorse. Yeah, exactly. Player. But he can He never used to try and drop his shoulder. You just go, PK, take that. Or... Or, or Alba, yeah. or take this as quick as you can. I'll give it to you, Busquets. He had so much around him, or even Valdez. Valdez could probably pick a better pass. So he goes, Victor Valdez, here, yeah. you have that. I've got it back for you. I've done my job. I've I've gone and retrieved Roy. Yeah, you go and play the next pass. And then you've got, you, you know, you can go for every team. I remember that Milan team. Do you remember with, talk about match winners, so do you remember Kaka, oh. Seedle? Yeah. Uh, oh, you could go through the whole team, right? They had Gennaro and Gattuso. Like the yeah. biggest, the biggest terrier. He was an animal at times, wasn't he? The guy? Yeah. Yeah. But I still think you if you Google Gattuso highlights, there'll be moments where he got a little yeah. bit of skill to get him out of trouble. But why didn't he do it an, a lot? He just passed it to Kaka. You know, he's got all these players around him. Oh, yeah. Job. But, yeah. But, so they're, they're going to end up being what they're going to be. So, but like you said, we've got to give them all the opportunity because I think this is not a disrespect to centre backs. When you're talking about the top end and they're even at grassroots level, some of the best, if you went and watch a semi pro team, I bet you the best mm. centre half in your local non league team. I bet if you asked him where you play, like if you're talking about football in centre-half and can play a bit and go, bloody hell, you're a good player, like play at level. I bet they'll turn around and go, yeah, I was at Chelsea central midfielder when I was up until like mm. 19. So it's almost yeah. like you, you sometimes end up as a centre-back by default anyway, like we spoke about before with the likes of Rio Ferdinand and them. But they was clearly playing in a midfield role or a more advanced role that was allowing him to develop the confidence on the ball and to become pressure-proof players. Because for me, mm. like Franz Beckenbauer, so whether mm. you're Franz Beckenbauer or Wayne Rooney, I think you can put these guys... Of course, if they've got the physical attributes as well, in almost any position on the football pitch. Why? Because they have the intelligence of a number 10 or these Maverick players. Mm. I think Franz Beckenbauer, if he wanted to, could have been a central midfielder and been the yeah. best. In the world. I mean, like more advanced, like not just a yeah. libero or a holding. Do you know what I mean? Probably could have been a number 10. Yeah, listen, you talk about, you know, that Milan team. About Milan team, like you talk about Berezi, you know, a bit of that Berezi, Cafu, you know, Nesta, uh, Maldini. Talk well, about, you know, match generation. winners. That's like, you know, that's... Yeah, sure. I mean, going to be in a bit of a subject, but like, that's the mess talk about world-class, you know, those players are, you know, going to be in the in the, in the your Ballon d'Or list, aren't they? Those those top yeah. world-class players. But, um, yeah, we've got a little bit... We've got a bit of, I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I've got, I've got, again, I've got a bit of uh, task. But, yeah, I think these, like, the key is yeah, that... Mavericks and yeah, match so winners. I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm saying, like, you know, in terms of our academy, the way, the way we're teaching players and, and coaching players, I think that's, you know, that's, you know, that's... That's what we got to look. I mean, is it is it now that the, the you know the 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 football at highest level is just really pragmatic? Do you know what I mean? It is you know is less. We're saying that you know because you know we've seen some games you know that the City and Arsenal games and Arsenal have been a bit more pragmatic this year. I think you know I heard a good good uh, podcast this morning um, talking about how maybe you know they they're not as excited or attacking as they were or the fluid attacking. But then you look at like say you mentioned Spurs. I mean the Spurs you know and big Ange. You know, he's like he's been sensational, isn't he, in terms of like his approach to the game and like you say, like playing a lot of attacking players. So, you know, it still is, you know, there's still room there, isn't it? I suppose it's for for those, you know, those Mavericks in there. Definitely. And I think he's only just started, mate. I don't think he's even really got his teeth into it properly and got all of his players that he wants. But for me, Madison was a bit of a statement because all right, and people might go, yeah, well, he's not as good as Madison is a terrific footballer, and he's yeah. probably still, even though he's had a couple of months out, he's still right near the top with assists and stuff. 
And it's just it's just a profile of players. So you've now got eleven ball players, including Vicario, where it's just flipped itself upside down from Conte, isn't it? And and it's about the attitude on the ball. And of course, all the mm. players need the technical tools and stuff. But the young lad Udogi, he's just looking like he's getting better and better every time. Twenty years old, he's probably been the most consistent left back. But can he get forward and chip in with goals? Yes. So there's some match winning attributes. He's getting down the outside and getting crosses in. He's coming into midfield and again. You look at Porro and Udogi, for example, and they're so young. You know there's so much more to come. So it's actually more mm. exciting about, okay, what else is he going to unearth out of them? Ben Tanker, I think once he avoids injuries, you know, he's only going to get better in the Premier League and take it by storm because he's such a such a graceful, elegant footballer, isn't he, in terms of, well, again, can just do a bit of bit of everything in that in, in that midfield area. But but there's there's other clubs and other teams as well. I think it's really refreshing sort to see to see what Brighton are doing with with their young mm. players as well. But then I looked at Brighton the other day when they were playing, because it is a bit past past. And I actually looked at them in one of their games. I think it was where Welbeck was up front. They had that Bonanote. But I thought, are they maybe missing a number 10? Because now they're people getting used to Brighton. Are they going to sit off a little bit more? And they're going to need that mm. little bit more skill. Do you know what I mean? That little drop of the shoulder, that little Phil Foden moment. Or, do you know what I mean? So I, I think there's a need for it. There's a need for it in every team. And let's just be honest as well. More than anything, Saul, if you're watching a group of under 10s or under 7s, it's just more enjoyable to watch. It's more enjoyable to play. I'm sure yeah. kids now, if you ask them, would you rather lose 3-2 today, but you've had 50 touches of the ball and you've all really had a go at this game and really attacked it and gotten the ball and played in an enjoyable way, or would you rather win 3-2 lumping out the pitch? And so it becomes an enjoyable element as well. We can't forget about that. Like I enjoy watching Tottenham as much as any other team this season. Do you know what I mean? And last year, it was painful to watch as well, wasn't it? So, mm. yes. Yeah, Got that yeah. that what about so? So think about so in terms of like a coach, you know, coach development, putting our coach development hats on, you know, it's coaching podcast, and you know, how do we restore the balance? You know, how do we make sure that you know you, you give these mavericks, these game changers, the, the time to uh, to develop and express themselves? I would say just keep because we all have to do it from time to time. Just keep check, keep checking your coaching values. What are your beliefs? Like, what do you really believe in? And um, the ultimate test is you'll show what you believe in when the game comes on Sunday because it's not just a test or, or an extension of their training for the young people. It's a test of us as coaches, isn't it? So because Monday to mm. Friday we're giving it, yeah, brilliant. Don't worry if you lost the ball here, but then Sunday because there's three points on it and all that other nonsense that's around the game. Parents scream around the outside. Do we change our values or do we keep allowing them to do the same stuff they were doing in training Monday to Friday as they can do at the weekend? So I, I think that's the main thing is is. You know, you've got a set of beliefs, like, again, I'll keep going back to Big Ange, but I think in terms of beliefs and values, he showed it more than ever when they went down to nine men. You know, people saying it's suicidal against Chelsea, but I thought, wow, if ever a coach has, has shown a big pair of cojones in the Premier League mm. and said, no, 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 we're going to do it with nine, ten or eleven men, mate. And was won it as well. <laughs> yeah, and it was, so they was two inches away from getting a draw, dying yeah. two inches offside. Yeah, thinking, yeah. Even to... To get that draw, it's sensational effort. All right, yeah, sensational. To see a few goals, but so I would say the main thing is your own philosophy <laughs> and beliefs and convictions. Keep checking them, and when you resort to because it's one-one in the last minute, I'll just kick it out of the pitch. Well, are you going against your beliefs? Do you really believe yeah. it, or do you just say you you believe in it? I think that's a key thing, really. Yeah, and also you think if you say right, you know what are the attributes of the game changer or those mavericks? You know what are you know what they do well? You know they're creators, aren't they? They create. And they score. 
So you have to give players opportunities to do that, you know, and let's like say, you know, let them make mistakes, give them positions where they can stand the ball, express themselves and try new things. You know, you look at, like, say, Foden's a great example, Kevin De Bruyne, you know, De Silva, all those players like, look at Odegaard, Arsenal, like, you know, what a, you know, creator. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, so good on the ball, understanding when to pass and when to dribble off, of course. But obviously that takes time. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, if you're constantly saying, get rid of pass it, pass it, play four, play four, play percentages, then obviously when are the young players getting the chance to... to 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 do that and develop those those skills and build those attributes so yeah that's really important to think about you know wind it back remember you know if you're a nine tens elevens coach what's the important what's the what's the um you know, what's the priority here the priority is to help these young players be as great good as they can to enjoy the game and and do that you know and that's what those those you know players would love to do aren't they going into those small sided games and yeah express themselves and having them, that freedom to do that I think we have to remember we're a bit like the Pied Piper as well. So the players will follow your lead. I, I, I'll give you an example. It was, it was in a game and, and it sounds crazy to, crazy to encourage us. But then after the game, I said to the young lad, I said, do you know Wayne Rooney has scored from the halfway line and Harry Kane two or three times each in their career? I said, I bet you if you go back and watch videos and watch watch the games properly on YouTube and you just watch them, I bet they was looking up to lob the goalie at least 50 times in their career. So mm. so I noticed in a game, I said, I pulled the full side. I said, have you noticed the goalkeeper's position? He's out he's the box. And he's like, no, I said, well, you need to notice that stuff. You need to start looking for that stuff. You just, just wherever you are on the pitch, if you're number nine, yeah. I'm trying to say to him, I'm trying to say to him, so if you're number nine, a proper goal scorer, you think about scoring goals like Harry Kane when you're asleep, when you wake up, at the breakfast mm. table, everything else distracts you, like if you're a proper obsessed goal scorer. So when you're on the pitch, when you're out on the left wing, look up, see if the goal is there. When you're in the centre, so I ain't saying to this player, shoot every time from the halfway line, but I'm saying, I'll give you permission. If you see him off the line, next time the ball comes to you, I try and get some position, have a go. And then he's shooting, everyone will think he's mad, and you might hear the groans, what are you shooting from there for? I'm quietly saying, well done, Sam. Because if we're not encouraging that audacity and the creativity to see the guy off the line, we, we can encourage that. I think we can skillfully encourage that. Do you know what I mean? Or, I don't know, so last five minutes of the game, you might see that players on the defence are really, really tired, and your winger is fresh and vibrant. And you just say to him, look, look how tired they are. Have you noticed what Messi does? He's noticed they're tired. Go for him. Next, next three times you get mm. on this ball, just go for him. The passing ain't worked today, son. Go on, just take take them all on. It might work, it might not, but we're in command of that in terms of what we're encouraging and what we're trying to provoke that creativity and audacity in their game. Do you know what I mean? And courage. So it's all about courage, mate, isn't it? Do you want to take the ball? When you foul, can, have you got the courage to step up and do it again? And I really do think they're traits and stuff that we can coach and and encouraging the players, mate, skillfully. Yeah, I think that's what you just said. There's a key, like you know, you want the courage on the ball. You know, call that bravado. You know, what new players you can take control? Of, you know, you like say, I'm going to win this game, and I'm going to break this line. I'm going to go. You know, you want every player to have that, you know, intent and that ability. I think that just takes a long time. That's you take a lot of patience, you know, and you know to create that and create the to do that. But you have to be brave, and you know, you know, maybe you're. Like I say, not about ego. That's easy to say, you know, fair enough, not coaching a team. But, you know, say, I'm going to take a little bit longer with these guys and, you know, let them do that. Yeah, I had a lovely little moment recently. So I was taking a game with, with one of our under-18s groups and we was a bit of a car crash first 30 minutes. We was 3-0 down and then it went to 4-1. We changed it about a bit. And anyway, we got it back to 4-4. And, you know, in one of them moments in a game where you get filthy, we just got so much momentum. It's like, listen... We ain't come this far from being 3-0 down in 20 minutes and 4-1 down with 20 minutes to go to get it back to 4-4 in the 90th minute. And it was a lovely little moment, right? One of the lads that used to be with us at the academy at, at Spurs and he, he got released at 12-13. We get a corner. And I know White meant a lot to him because 
he kind of looked over like a little bit nervous. No, no, you're responsible for this. Step up. I don't care if you're only 16 years old, blah, blah, blah. Step up. A bit like Beckham. People underestimate David Beckham as the match winner. Well, everyone talks mm. about Solskjaer's winning goal and sharing them. Oh, Solskjaer has won it. Yeah, but Beckham delivered it. Beckham yeah. took a deep breath, two corners in a row in the 96. So he, anyway, he's took this corner saw in the 95th minute and he's put in a fantastic delivery, great height, and it's got the first contact, got the second contact. Anyway, we win, 95th minute. He don't even score the goal, but he's got the biggest celebration because, again, Ward Prowse, it takes nerve, it takes temperament to hit the ball in a prep area like Trent alexander So it doesn't matter if it's a corner or a penalty in the last minute like Harry Kane. Because Harry Kane missed against France, but believe me, I really believe, like Stuart Pearce, Kane will have a moment of redemption. Kane somewhere in his career will be in a Champions League final for Bayern or a World Cup final for England. And he will he will turn up with a free kick or a penalty when his country needs him. And that all comes down mm. to nerve. And I know the kid yeah. was nervous. All. I know he was nervous. I know he was like, oh, shit, I might shank this and hit it on the near post. Excuse the language. But do you know what I mean? But he, he took it and it was a big moment for him. It was like, do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're playing semi-pro football, pro football. You need the nerve. You need the courage mm. to dare to foul. And I think that's one of the biggest things, in my opinion, with all of this stuff, if I'm honest. That's a great point, dare to fail. And obviously, you know, if you don't give players the opportunity to do that and encourage them to do that, then you've got no chance, right? Listen, Glenn, I know that's going to sweep tie up there. Been, uh, it's been emotional, as they say. Cheers, pal. Appreciate it. It's good to have you. Good to be back. And uh, yeah, see you, all, see you all guys next time. Cheers, Glenn. Thanks for Cheers, tuning man. in to the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Soccer Player Development Podcast. MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Dynamic Ball Mastery Program is the world's leading online individual technical training program, proven and developed at the highest level in the English Premier League. Sign up now to train like the pros and take your game to the next level. Master the ball, master the game.